Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Let's turn in our Bibles I'm, uh, to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read there in a moment, but I'm, I'm going to take a, a minute or two to introduce our new series. We just, we just completed one last Sunday, and during this next month or so, I want to share with you a series entitled PowerPoints. Now, it's not the PowerPoint you think I'm going to talk about, but I just want something to hang in your memory, give you a little hook to think about what we're learning. And I'll explain that in a moment. What are PowerPoints? Well, where have we been on a journey? You know that, that I'm always wanting to lead us, guide us, direct us, continue to build on what we're doing. Not just preach random messages and pull those out of the sky, but let's, what journey is God taking us on? What is God saying to us as a church family? What's the focus? Where, where are we headed? How does this word go home with us? How does it change our lives and the lives around us? So we've been discovering in my, the past series. Remember, what have we been discovering? Or maybe being reminded that God has perfect power for who? Oh, thank you for listening. You made me feel good there. I, I know all of you meant to say that. You just weren't ready. So I'm going to give you another chance. So what have we been learning? That God has perfect power for whom? Yeah, for, for people like you and I, perfect power for imperfect people. It's very encouraging. What we're learning is that as we look in Scripture, that those men and women who, who were the, the foundation, the launch, the, the, those that were there when the church began, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, not because they had earned it, because they, they may have deserved it. They were filled with the Holy Spirit because they desperately needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Do you know today that oftentimes we focus and you know we teach godliness and holiness and righteousness. You know that. Lining up and walking with the word. We're very conservative in that. But do you know the church has almost put such an emphasis on who we are as people to receive something from God that we've missed it. That our eyes are not on us. Our eyes are on Him. We understand. Do you know your need may, may be your greatest asset today? Did you hear what I just said? Do you know the fact that you cannot do it may be the greatest reason why God empowers you? Why? So you can do it. Why would God give the church an assignment that could be completed without Him? Why would God give you a purpose for life that would not require Him to enable you to fulfill that purpose? You see, God brings us to points in our life, power points in our life on the journey where we recognize, you know, God, I can't take the next step unless you do this with me. I can't be who you put me on this earth to be unless I'm empowered by you. And so we, we see that. We recognize that. And, and we see what happens. So during this study, while we've been moving through this time of perfect power, living in imperfect people, I have sensed the Holy Spirit directing me. I want you to get this as we begin this series. Directing my focus on the places, the places where... Ordinary or imperfect people encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. Those are power points. Places where ordinary people moving through their life encountered something from God, a power point. So how does that work? Well, as, as I was looking and studying and focusing on those things, uh, I found that in some of the most common places, okay, not just in church buildings, not just in cathedrals, are you with me? Not just on calendar, on Sundays. But in some of the most common places, listen to the terminology, common places, 
at unforeseen or unexpected times, common places, unforeseen times, God will step in and do amazing moments in our life. What happens in those moments, at those PowerPoints? What happens? God will place a mantle on someone. God will step in and pour out an anointing on a very common person. God will send fresh fire to a place that needs it. Let let me just call your attention to some of these places. and, And again, I'm laying some foundation for where we're going these next few weeks. You think about these PowerPoints. Where in the very ordinary moments of life, at unforeseen moments, God steps in. And something amazing happens. Think about it. Elisha was just plowing a field when the mantle came on him. Peter was out fishing when a PowerPoint happened in his life. Jesus was learning carpentry when an anointing came on his life. Matthew was collecting taxes. David was watching sheep. Saul was looking for donkeys. Rebecca was drawing water out of a well. Ruth was gleaning uh, grain out of a field. The Shunammite woman was building a room. She was opening a bed and breakfast for prophets. Ordinary people just moving through the commonalities of life and walked right into a PowerPoint where God has something planned for them. I want to encourage you today. God has some moments planned for every one of us. As we are walking through the journey of life because he has a purpose for us. Do we understand that? He designed you uniquely in your mother's womb, placed you on this earth. You know what excites me? Every one of us in this room today or placed here, brought here, designed to be here because God wants to do something through our lives to make a difference in this world. And along that journey, God in his wisdom and knowledge has PowerPoints ready for us. Can I give you some really good news? God has some big moments planned for your life. How many are thankful for that? Some big moments. But here's what you have to understand. It's the everyday little moments that set you up for the big moments. Life's not a series of just big moments. There are a lot of ordinary days between the big day. How many can say amen to that? I mean, wasn't that wedding a big day? Look, it's Father's Day next week. I want to start off on a good, a good vein here. Okay, so, so let's rewind. Wasn't that wedding a great day? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. But, but you know, <laughs> you only got married. That was just a day been a whole lot of living since that day. You understand? (laughs) So, you know, there's a wedding and there's a marriage. I told somebody, but I told Larry, I got to be honest, I'll tell us myself. Some things have changed since I've pastored these years. Early on, people spent more time on the wedding ceremony than the reception. I'm just saying, sorry, but okay, I want to help you with some things. But I've noticed today, if people spend as much time preparing for marriage as they did for their reception... They might have a better marriage. I mean, just saying. It's just me observing, you know. Think we, we shift importance. Everybody still with me? Have a big reception. Have fun. I like that fun. And, and enjoy eating as much as anyone. But, you know, life's not just the big moments, right? It's not just the big moments. But the good news is, here's what I want you to see. There are PowerPoints, big moments, life-changing moments, moments where they door turns on the hinge, where the atmosphere shifts, where what you never saw, God has been looking. 
and, and, and it shifts. But we have to understand how this process works. So just like Elisha, David and Ruth and the Shunammite woman and Saul and Rebekah, there, there are those people in those very common moments for some very uncommon things happen. I ask you to turn to Acts chapter 2, and I know you thought I'd forgotten about that, but I haven't. I was just setting us up. Acts 2. Let's go there to verse 1. Here in Acts 2, 1, it was uh, a prayer meeting. Now, most Bible teachers and, and theologians and commentators will tell you that this upper room they were gathered in, I want you to get this, they had been there before. It was a, it was a familiar place to them. They had been there. Some might think this is even where the, the Last Supper took place. We can't confirm that. But we do know this was a common gathering place. So it wasn't a special place they'd gone to. It wasn't an unusual place. But they were there praying. They had prayed before. They had learned how to pray. But on this day, in, in, in that place, let's read these first four verses. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together where? In one place. See, it looked to them as a common place, but God had ordained a PowerPoint. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. See the inclusivity of this. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Then how does that happen? As the Spirit enabled them. So I want you to see, here they were gathered in a place. They weren't sure what was going to happen. They had just been told, go pray. They they gathered there. Why? Because God had an encounter. Because there was a purpose. He had told them, you're going to go preach the gospel to the known world. You're about to go places you've never been before. You're about to encounter things you've never encountered before. You're all Jews. You all come to Jerusalem to worship. But now you become born-again believers. And instead of just coming to Jerusalem, you're going to go to the world. We're going to flip this thing upside down. Your whole religion has been about God in a room, and now it's God in you. Your whole concept of what it means to serve God has been coming to one place. And now the whole concept is going to every place. The whole concept has been only the high priest can enter the presence of God, a holy of holies once a year. And now they're learning, I can live in the presence of God every day. Deacons, we're going to go preach and do signs, wonders, and miracles. Guys that have been waiting on tables suddenly had PowerPoints and became anointed preachers of the gospel. Things were going to change. And so we had them there in a common room for a PowerPoint experience. But then this word says suddenly, look at verse 2. I I mentioned this for a moment last week. Let's go back and look at this. Suddenly, suddenly, I call these faithful suddenlies. In other words, what are you saying, Pastor? Well, for those in the room praying, it did happen. It occurred all of a sudden. But what you would need to understand is that that suddenly, that PowerPoint did not happen randomly. Did just not all of a sudden take place. It happened because God had a plan. It happened because they had been faithful to what he said. They had been praying for 10 days. Now, please understand this. They had not been begging for 10 days. God didn't have to be convinced. Are you with me? Do you know that prayer is not convincing God to do something he doesn't want to do? Prayer may be getting me in a place where God can do what he already wanted to do. Prayer may be keeping me on time to get the next PowerPoint in my life. 
See, the day of Pentecost had been planned by God. This suddenly, on, from the perspective of earth, had a long-term plan from the perspective of heaven. This suddenly that occurred, this PowerPoint that occurred, was not something that just randomly happened. Their obedience to come and pray allowed them to be in a place where God had already planned something big. It was a faithful suddenly. What I want you to understand today is that faithfulness leads to fullness in your life. How many heard what I just said? Faithfulness leads to fullness. Everybody wished they would... See, we, we, we are told on the day that he ascended to heaven, most Bible teachers say that's the reference in 1 Corinthians where more than 500 of the brothers saw him at one time. So there's 500 with the invitation, literally the command of Jesus... Go wait in Jerusalem and pray till you receive the gift I've talked about and then go preach the gospel to the world. So 500 hold, heard him, 120 decided they'd be faithful. Now you think of those 10 days. You, uh, everyone wanted to be there on the day of Pentecost. <laughs> but not everyone wanted to be there on day one for prayer and day two for prayer and day three for prayer. Come on, tell the truth. Don't you know after nine days they were tired of each other? You know, but let's be honest. In our current system, in our current way we operate in the church world, nine minutes is a long time to pray. Nine days. Nine days. You know, oh, (laughs) nine days. No air conditioning. Oh, Peter was getting musty by the end of those nine days. I mean, I'm sorry. Somebody has to... You understand what I'm saying? It was hot in the upper room. This wasn't, you know, uh, your air-conditioned padded pew, spring water, coffee latte. I don't drink coffee. I don't know if that's the right term. Latte, coffee, which is it? Coffee, latte, latte. To me, Starbucks is foreign language. Phyllis wants me to get something for her. I said, text me. Because what is that? Cappuccino, fruticino latte, whip, something. I'm like, what in the world is that? Is that Mars? Is that what people in space drink? What is that stuff? I don't know. So, so none of that was there. You know, if we're going to get people to come pray today, you've got to get the AC just right, the perfect worship song on. Come on, tell the truth. You know, and, and somebody better not sit in your chair where you came to pray. Because how's God going to bless me on the wrong aisle? You know, I bought that chair in the building campaign. and You know, last time I checked, we don't have names on any of these, but some people think they are. But anyway, you know, so here's the deal. Nine days. Are you with me? Nine days. There was a whole lot of faithfulness before what? That suddenly took place. There, there was a lot of faithfulness from earth's viewpoint Boom, all of a sudden, from heaven's viewpoint, God was saying, I hope they'll stay. I hope they'll stay. I hope they'll be there. I know what I'm going to do. Is anybody going to show up? Is my PowerPoint going to have someone ready for what I'm going to do next? Are you with me on this? So you see this suddenly, this suddenly. Can I tell you this morning, I have some really good news for you. If you're serving God today, at this very moment, you're moving to a suddenly right now. Did you hear what I just said? You need to tell somebody. You're moving to a suddenly. Tell someone that. That's exciting to me. You're moving to a suddenly. Well, pastor, what's the suddenly? I don't know. I'm not God, but it's worth being faithful for, huh? You're moving to a suddenly. The reason you don't know it is because it's bigger than you. 
What does that mean? Because God says in Ephesians 3.20, He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or think or imagine. So He doesn't let me plan this suddenly because I think too small. He doesn't let me plan this suddenly because I'm too impatient. He doesn't let me plan this suddenly because I'd never see how big He is. But God loves us enough. If I'll be faithful, God do this, will do this suddenly. If I will do my part, God will do His part. If I will just walk it out today, I'm going to be on time tomorrow. That's the God we serve. That's the suddenly. Let, let me illustrate it. Let me see how we're doing. Let's go to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. I want to read a portion of this. I want to encourage you today. We must find the value in the everyday common things of life. How many heard what I said? We must find the value in the everyday common things of life. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. You, you know this parable, but let's, let's glean something in this context, Matthew twenty five fourteen, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Okay, whose stuff was it? The owner, his. Okay, now, to one he gave five talents. Let me say this. A talent in that economy was worth more than $1,000. So you do the math. It's what that we value today. Okay, a talent. So let's, we're, this isn't speaking of a gift or an ability. This is a monetary thing. At least $1,000 in that, in that day and time. So to one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent, each according to what? His ability. All right. Now, notice that your beginning ability, listen to me closely, the ability you have to begin does not have to be the ability you end this thing with. God will give you what you can handle to start. Everybody listen to me? But that doesn't mean that's the ceiling of your life. This can change. So let's go. Verse 16. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work. And he gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. He probably worked more being lazy than he would if he'd just gone to work. All right. After a long time, when? After a long time. So there, were, there was a season of faithfulness. They didn't know when. See this? They didn't know when. But after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five. See, I have gained five more. Now watch this, verse 21. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So originally his ability was to handle five. But he was faithful and brought back ten. And so the reward for that was that I'm going to give you an opportunity to do even more for me. I'm going to increase your ability. So let's keep reading. Verse 22, the man with two talents also came master. He said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. Watch this. See, God did not compare the two to the five. He spoke the exact same blessing over this man. This is verbatim. He says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Of course, then here's number one. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, do you know when you excuse yourself, you accuse yourself? 
Okay. He said, Master, I knew that you're a hard man. You think his voice is kind of wa- wiring, wave, you know, wavering a little bit here, kind of wobbling? Don't you think, kind of said it, a violin was playing in the background? I knew you're a hard man. Harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid, went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. What did his master call him? He said, look at it, you wicked, lazy servant. Do you know laziness and wickedness are the same thing in the eyes of God? Okay, I don't have time to preach that message today. But he said, you're wicked because you're lazy. You're lazy because you're wicked. Okay, let me go on. So here's the point. Here's what I want you to see. It's PowerPoint. After a long time, someone say after a long time. You're too close to your next PowerPoint to give up right now. Maybe it's felt like a long time to you. Maybe you've wondered, when is God going to remember me? Is everybody still with me right now? But I want you to know, in our eyes, it looks like a long time. But God has never been slow. God has not been delayed. God has not become unfaithful. He has a PowerPoint scheduled for your life in the right place at the right time. My responsibility is keep moving and arrive there when I'm supposed to arrive there. To be faithful with the five he gave me so that when he comes back, I'm going to say, here's what I've done with what you trusted me with. Here's what I've done. So here's what I want you to see. Their faithfulness, their perseverance. Their dedication, their determination uh, brought a reward to them. Come, guys, you got to get this. Their reward was not to retire. Now, if you've done that from your job, that's okay. I'll put you to work. Larry Franks will put you to work. It's, it's not a problem to retire from the company. Just don't retire serving God. How many are with me today? All right. So, so what was the reward? You must understand it. What was the reward for being faithful with what they had? The reward for being faithful with what you began with is that God gives you more to do greater things for him. He didn't say go sit down. He said, good job. Let's do something else. Do you know that your purpose, your intention, what God wired you to do, put you on this planet to do is greater than you can see right now. And there are moments when they don't seem huge. This is what I want you to see. They may seem very common. And there are seasons in your life where God will meet you in that season. And if you are faithful in that season, it may seem like a long time. It may seem like a hard time. God has not forgotten you. God has not abandoned you. God is watching over you. God has a PowerPoint. Hey, suddenly with your name on it. Some of you grandparents are now raising your grandchildren and you never dreamed you would do that. In America today, 40% of the children are being raised by their grandparents. Unprecedented. And you had plans to get in the RV and go visit Yellowstone. And instead of getting in the RV and going to Yellowstone, you're, you're going and getting a bottle and standing by the bed in the middle of the night. And, and you know, one week like that seems like a long time. Are we in the real world right now? But can I give you some help? God will be with you in that season. And if you are faithful in the unforeseen seasons, the faithful God knows what you need, when you need, where you need it, and you're not over with. Be faithful where you are.
those moments in that job in the marketplace where you can't understand who your hard work and your faithfulness is not being rewarded let me tell you something you are being developed by God and that position that you thought you were overlooked for might not be the one big enough that God's preparing for you so keep doing what you do with what he gave you where you are there is a suddenly in your path that you will walk into if you don't give up if we faint not we will reap the harvest in due season my job is hang in there his job is make this suddenly come into my life that's who he is See, see, my job is just keep moving. Come on, how many can say that? Look, look at someone and say, just keep moving. Just keep moving. God's developing us. L- l- let me show you a, a, a promise here. L- look at this. Y- you've got to understand, this works if you keep moving. Keep moving. Stay with him. All right, I, I-, I love this. We- I've heard this verse quoted often, but it often misses the location of where the promise is given. Let's look in Exodus 23, verse 27. Exodus 23 and verse 27. All right? This, this, we've all quoted this. We, we've heard this. It's, it's, it's encouraged people. Exodus 23, verse 27. Now, now God is speaking to Israel as they, they have left the bondage of Egypt and are moving towards the promised land. This is very encouraging. About our future. Notice what he says. Verse 27, Exodus 23. I will send you, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. How many like those promises like that? I'm like, yes. You know, we read that and see faces. Come on, tell the truth. Okay. So he said, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I, see, God says, I'm doing this. I got this. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet. I don't know how that works. Never seen it, but it sounds good. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, Hittites out of your way. Verse 29. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate. And the wild animals too numerous for you, little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. That's well, good, isn't it? You're going to drive out my enemies. We're going to take possession of the land. But we fail to see something here. Yes, it's important to realize, he says, it's going to happen incrementally, little by little. Why? Because I have to make sure you're developed enough to handle what I'm giving you. Okay? We get that. But here's the point I want you to see. That promise would not go into motion until they got into the promised land. It wasn't for the journey to get there. Are you with me? It wasn't if you get stuck in the desert. It wasn't if you turn around and go back. All this promise, I'm going to fight your enemies, I'm going to send the hornet. That promise never initiates until I step into the promised land. It never becomes valid until I move into the place God has for me. Are you with me today? In other words, if I give up on my journey with the Lord, if I get upset, if I get mad, if I say, God, I'm tired of waiting, and I sit down to throw a pity party, I don't get Exodus 23. But if I keep moving, even though it's hot here in the desert, if I keep moving, even though I'm tired of eating manna, 
If I keep moving, even though I'm ready to get to that place, God says, when you get there, I have a suddenly waiting on you right there. When you get there, we must keep moving. We must keep allowing God to develop us. I read a a quote. I love this from John Bevere. Listen to this because it almost goes against what we've been taught. Listen, spiritual growth is neither a function of time or learning. Whoa, wait a minute. What, What do you mean? Spiritual growth is not a function of time because if I sit down on God, with me? If I stop halfway and sit there for 40 years like Israel did, they didn't grow in their faith. Are you with me? So spiritual growth is not necessarily the product of time. How are we spending our time? But then this next one gets us here in the American church because he says in this statement, it's neither a function of learning. No, wait a minute. No, what about discipleship and the word? And we, Pastor, how, all these things you do. Well, here's what he says. Okay, let's finish it. Spiritual growth is neither a function of time or learning. It's a function of obedience. So no matter what I have in my head, if I don't obey what I know from the word, it's not going to produce any growth in my life. Christianity is not a theory. It is a reality. It's not a concept. It's a practice. Our spiritual growth is not going to be determined by what I can spout from my knowledge. My spiritual growth is a reflection of what I walk from what I know. Jesus said there are two guys, two houses. Both of them heard the word. One did it. One did not. One lost his house in the storm. One survived the storm. Do you understand that along the way, listen to me, as we keep obeying God, as we keep moving with God, as we keep following what he says, we are being set up. We are being developed. We are being positioned. We are being aligned with the timing of God. There is a PowerPoint in your future with your name on it, just where you need it, just when you need it, but I just need to keep moving till I get there. That's how it works. Now, let's, I'm going to look at my final scripture here today. Let's look at 1 Kings 19. Let me illustrate this. Let me illustrate this. We're going to begin to look at several lives as we go through these next few weeks. Let's begin with this one, just as an introduction. 1 Kings chapter 19. I want you to see this. So this faithfulness, these, these uh, common daily activities, but position some people for some great things in their life. First Kings 19. Now, this I'm going to I'm going to give you some context. Then I will give a quote, a book I recently read from Samuel Rodriguez. Uh, that that just kind of I saw this one phrase and it kind of blew this thought, this concept in my mind. You know, I told somebody one day I said, "Man, that blew my mind." You know what they said? Small explosion. I don't know what they meant by that, but let 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 let's keep working on this thing. First Kings 19. Are you with me? Look, look at verse 15. Here's one of these PowerPoints. Are you with me? PowerPoints. This faithful suddenly that God's working when we don't see it. All right. So here we are. First uh, Kings 19 verse 15. Now, you know what had just happened? In chapter 18, Elijah, mighty prophet of God. What had happened? He called fire down from heaven. God had consumed that altar on Mount Carmel. I, you know, when we visited Israel and went up on Mount Carmel, I was just like, I, I guess I'm still, you know, like a kid. I, I kind of walked around and looked for burn spots. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, God, where did it happen? You know, can I stand in that place? Can I, 
Just get some of that. And, and so, you know, Jezebel says to him, I'm going to kill you because what you've done is stand against me and these prophets of Baal that lost their life. And Elijah runs after that mighty miracle. He runs and hides. The Bible says he crawled under a broom tree in the desert and said, God, I just want to die. God spoke to me, and you know what he said? I'm not done with you. You ever felt like giving up? Can I give you some good news? God's not done with you. Come on, keep moving. Keep moving. You've got a suddenly with your name on it. You have a PowerPoint waiting for you. So God says, Elijah, I'm not through with you. Some things you're going to do before you come to heaven. Look at this. Here we go, verse 15. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. Watch this. And anoint power, mantle, encounter, empowerment. He said, I want you to do what? He said, I want you to anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Mahola to succeed you as a prophet. So he said, I've got some things for you to do. Now watch this. Let's go to verse 19. So here's Elisha. Are you with me? Just doing what he's supposed to do. Working for his dad. Out plowing. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. What was he doing? He's just doing his day. He's going through his day. Are you with me? He was just moving. Do you know I noticed in every one of these, God never anointed somebody sleeping in bed. Do you know what I noticed, what I noticed in all these? God never found a guy <laughs> or a lady who, who was over here, you know, doing nothing. God always found somebody plowing, fishing, building, serving, pulling water out of the well, watering camels, gathering grain to feed her mother-in-law. It's amazing where God finds us. Can I tell you something today? Today is really important. What you're doing today really matters. Your faithfulness really matters. Hanging in there, dad, and being a good father and a good husband, it really matters. Being a great wife and a great mom, it really matters. Going to that public school and shining your light, educators, it really matters. Volunteering to work in the clothes closet at, 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 at first priority really matters. Donating, doing what you do at the Dream Center, but doing the things when nobody sees you. Being faithful when others aren't being faithful. Showing up when no one else shows up. Being at work on time when nobody else wants to be at work on time. Doing what you said you were going to do when no one else is doing. See, it doesn't really matter what other people say, what other people do. Are you with me? It doesn't matter what's going on. Why? Because they don't have your suddenly on their, on their list. They don't have your PowerPoint lined up like you do. They don't have the call of God on their life like you do. They didn't call you and they're not going to position you. They didn't put the anointing on you and they're not going to lift it off of you. They're not the one you've got to please. They're not the one who's keeping the record. They're not the one that's going to say well done someday. So it doesn't really matter what the noise around me is. Am I being faithful? Am I moving on? Am 
I realizing that what I'm doing, I'm doing is unto God. Do you know you can take anything you do and when your heart is right and any, you can, anything you do that's good and, 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 and your heart is right, it becomes worship unto God. You walk into the roughest work environment, work is unto God. You're positioning yourself. You're dealing with the most critical family issue of your life. Do it as unto God. You're walking through a season of grief and your heart is broken. Lord, I trust you. Do it as unto God. Why? Because God knows who you are. He sees the plow. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro around the earth looking for someone where he can show himself strong. Maybe I can't do what I used to could do, but I can do what I can. So here's Elisha. He's just plowing. Come on. Let's tell the truth. He wasn't plowing with one hand and praising the Lord with the other. See, that's how you think it only happened. You think he was out there in the middle field plowing, speaking in tongues, and prophesying. He's probably holding on with both hands, trying to keep two oxen in the middle of the field. You, you understand? He, he probably didn't say, The Lord is with me today. Now, he might have had a merry heart, praising God. But he didn't get up that morning and probably tell his dad, I'm not coming home today. I'm about to get anointed. There's an old prophet coming by. You better take a good look at me because you won't see me again. No, he's probably just plowing. How many understand? He's just doing what he did. He's just doing what he did. He just had his hand on what his task was that day. But there was something about that man God saw. There was something about that faithful plow man that grabbed the attention of God. Nobody else may have recognized. He may not have seemed like a sensational day, but God saw something there. See, God sees something in you. He knows your heart, what you're doing, where you're going, how heavy the burden is, what your dream is, you see. So, so, so let's, let's look at this. So Elisha, Elijah went from there and found Elisha. Go to verse 20, uh, or uh, middle of the uh, last sentence in verse 19. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. One translation said his mantle, the prophet's coat. This young man's out plowing and a prophet walks up to him suddenly in the middle of a field with his hands on a plow and he comes in and God suddenly walks up and finds him plowing in a field and the mantle of God is laid on his life. Common moment, unforeseen, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes on him. I love this. I I, I want you to look at this and get this verse. Uh, look at verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha. Elisha wasn't looking for Elijah. Elisha didn't have to find the suddenly, the suddenly found him. Elijah didn't have to chase the anointed moment. The moment found him. Do you know that God will find you when he needs you? Do you know that God will get there when he needs to be there? That he will find you. God will come to you. I, I want my worship team to come. Come on, let's stand together. This is what you do. Stand with me. Stand doesn't mean leave. It just means stand. All right. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray together today. God will come find that moment in your life. Your faithfulness. Let me encourage you today. Your faithfulness. Your trusting God. Doing what you can. Are you hearing me? Doing what you can. Where you are with what you have. Being faithful in the common moments. Serving when it would be easier to go away. Trusting when it would be easier to give up. Moving when everything says just sit down and give up. 
staying on board when everyone's leaving and going in the other direction. You see, here's the quote that, that I read in the book. It says, Elisha's plow prepared him to wear God's mantle. I like that. Elisha's plow prepared him to wear God's mantle. See, we don't always translate the common to the spiritual, but it's right there. Well, how does me plowing prepare me to be a prophet? Because God's developing you in the plowing. You understand? God's getting you there in the plowing. You know, we, we, we have all these ways we think we get there, but God finds us. The mantle finds us. The anointing finds us. His plow prepared him to wear the mantle. <laughs> I like that. The plant, listen, the plow of perseverance always leads to a mantle of power. The plow of perseverance always leads to a mantle of power. Church family, let me encourage you today. You did something important walking in this house today. You did some important, something important getting up and getting your family here today. You did something important by being faithful to your spouse this week. You did something important by going to work this week. You did something important by serving in ministries this week. You did something important. If you could do nothing else, maybe your health or your circumstances didn't permit you to serve in a ministry, sing on a worship team, teach a class. That's okay. Did you serve him where you are? Did you love him with your heart? Do you know that I've noticed some of my seasons that preceded my greatest suddenlies were my most hidden and quiet and behind the scenes? Because you know what was happening then? I was developing my relationship with the Lord. I was learning that, you know, even if it doesn't happen when I want it to happen, God's still there. Even when I don't feel it, God's still there. Even when I want to walk off or even when it feels like nobody understands, come on, God's there. And maybe this season that you're in right now is not about big flashes and angelic visits and mantles laid on your shoulder. Maybe this season is about being faithful. Being faithful. Letting God get you to a place. There's a mantle waiting on you. Maybe your season's really hard today. Listen to me. That's not the end of the story. Maybe you wonder, why do other people have more ability than me? Well, that can change by being faithful where you are. That's how God works. That's how he moves. I can promise you, he has everything you need for the next season if you'll be faithful in this season. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.